Hey everybody, uh, this is The Longest Card, I'm Austin Stout. And I'm Patrick Crowley. And this is your place for all your Stanford hot takes. We've got Merrick from Sacramento, he's an Alabama fan. We've got Roger from Berkeley, who is our friend from undergrad. And a, we've got- a PhD student, he knows stuff. He's a smart guy, you should he, listen to his takes. He some credibility to this podcast. Absolutely, and we've got Ada from Portland, and she's also our friend from undergrad, but she is also an Oregon Ducks fan, so we're going to have some interesting things to talk about today. Anyways, uh, as you might notice, this is our first podcast with actual guests, so you'll hear some people's voices that are not mine and Austin's, which is very exciting, because these people know more than we do, so Woo! so the podcast knows more and life goes on. What, a, what an exciting time. Now, did Florida just win? Also... <laughs> um, on that note, it's game day. We're recording this on Saturday afternoon, Pacific uh, time, around 4.15, yeah. and we are watching football throughout the day, so we're going to have some hot takes coming at you throughout our podcast. Uh, guest, do y'all want to introduce yourselves? Well, we can start over here with Raj. Sure. Hey, uh, my name's Roger. Uh, I graduated with these guys from Stanford, and now Woo! I moved across the bay to... Uh, uh, a lesser-known public university <laughs> with, with blue and gold colors, I believe. Hello, I'm Merrick Knapp. I went to school with one of the hosts, uh, Mr. P. Crowley, <laughs> and uh, went to the University of Alabama where real football is played, um, although academically we might be a couple steps behind. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be uh, weighing in some, on some uh, college football topics, topics today and maybe touch on some Alabama-related stuff, but probably not too much. <laughs> I'm not talking about too, too much. I'm Ada. I also went to undergrad with the two hosts and lived with them, which was an interesting experience, to say the least. I'm also an Oregon Duck fan, although Stanford is my second team. Graduated two degrees from Stanford, number two. It's fine. Oregon, born and bred. Born and bred. How much does Phil Knight have to pay for the souls of all the Oregonians? Millions. Not enough. Not enough. He went to my high school, fun fact. All right, since we are a Stanford football podcast, let's talk about Stanford versus Notre Dame. Uh, my take on it, it was pretty much the reverse of last year when Notre Dame was at Stanford. Uh, it was pretty close. It was a one-score game until the fourth quarter, where in a couple turnovers and a couple of 14-point uh, swings in early the fourth quarter just kind of, uh, well, changed the dynamic of the game. Stanford uh, last year... Got a turnout, got a pick six, and uh, I don't know, I spread the game out and kind of blew Notre Dame um, out of the water. This really happened this last year with Stanford really giving up in the fourth quarter, just being outplayed, out, uh, really just outdone. Patrick, what do you have to say about this? Well, so what, 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 real quick. All right, Mary. Do you think part of uh, Stanford's struggles is that they're still trying to find their identity on the offensive, offensive side of the football? Since so much I, I, last year, I feel like it's, it was it's a, a Bryce Love show. It's a fair question. I think the real issue that we're seeing with Stanford this year is we're playing football just with like a massive 45-pound weight chain to our foot. Like we're not allowed – like our, our play calling is just so inside the box. It's so mainstream. Like how many first downs does Stanford not run right up the middle on? Like you can count it on one hand. It's insane. 
So the predictability that we're playing with and just like the lack of imagination to get our super talented guys the ball in space has hindered us incredibly this season. And we saw it finally against Notre Dame, a team that has actually a decent defense and our offensive line was thoroughly exposed and we were shown that we like, we can't run these basic plays against talented teams. We're going to have to come up with creative ways to get our guys the ball in space. Creative ways, like some ability to get KJ some more time, some effective play action, and just like a way to not have one-on-one -on -one blocks with our offensive linemen who are just going to get blown out of the water by talented offensive linemen or talented defensive linemen that Notre Dame has, that Washington's going to have, that Utah's going to have tonight. It's just like consistent issues that we've not been able to really combat effectively. I mean, I don't think it's fair to say that uh, there is a talent difference. Like, Stanford is clearly talented. I feel like it's very much more a play-calling issue wherein... I mean, so, so the issue for in, in talent, I think, arises when we have one-on-one -on -one matchups and our, our offensive linemen lose that matchup every single time for an entire night, which is what, which is what we saw against Notre Dame. Right, but it's one to say that uh, the offensive line is losing matchups. Often they're winning matchups. They've been really good in pass not protection. Not against Notre for, Dame. Not against Notre Dame, but I feel not like that's, counts. that's mostly it's, in the it's fourth easy, quarter. It's easy to be so good I'm in gonna, pass protection against UC Davis. It's right. a lot harder against talented people like against Notre Dame, which we didn't do. All right, Patrick, I'm going to point to another one-on-one uh, -on -one matchup. Um, our receiver, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, has been targeted seven times in the red zone. He is six for seven on those, or no, he's seven for seven on those attempts, and he goes six for seven for touchdowns. So, like, we're very much winning some one-on-one -on -one matchups, but... I mean, to be able to throw, KJ has to have time. KJ did not have any time. He was hit repeatedly on Saturday. We weren't able to develop any sort of running game. Notre Dame's defensive front just completely manhandled and mangled our offensive line for the entire game. Right, but Notre Dame... It's thoroughly embarrassing for like a team that like prides itself on being like the bruiser of the Pac-12 to go into South Bend and just get embarrassed on both fronts. Our offensive and defensive fronts was... I think I think it's a bit eye-opening. I mean, it's a 38-17 final score, which which doesn't which doesn't really show how close it was because I think at points there were there were some significant turning points, but we never really got into a rhythm and we were never able to consistently block and and give KJ time or give Bryce Love any sort of running room. Right, but I I still don't think it's fair to say that uh, the game was entirely in Notre Dame's favor. It was a I want to say. 24 to 17 game at the end of the third quarter and then there were just a couple of turnovers and a couple of swings that just um blew the game out in the fourth quarter and so there's there is part of the team that you can see uh well i i agree with merrick in that the uh are on the offense stanford hasn't really figured itself out yet in that we were in this game till the third quarter, and then when we're down, it's hard to figure out what we're going to do. It was clear that last week against Oregon, the uh, offense didn't really figure out what it was trying to do until later in the game, and it needed some turnovers to get that luck going. True. Oregon really had a shot there. Really had a shot. <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about that, Oregon? You want to talk about that game. <laughs> um... But, they got lucky. but you but you lost Stanford though. Got lucky. But you lost. Who got the dub? But it's important to understand that but Stanford got, really hadn't figured out their offense and therefore got lucky during that game. There um, were a couple key turnovers that were a little flukish to say the least. But at the end of the day, the W is the W. 
Yeah. Um, and it goes into the right. Yeah, exactly. But the win the, the win column is the column that matters. Right. I'm also going to say that uh, it seems like there's a fair bit of. Um, well, really, where I'm trying to go with this, I think David Shaw wants to be a power running team. I don't think that's what this team is this year. Uh, I want to look at uh, Friday night, that's October 5th, wherein um, Georgia Tech beat Ole Miss some 66 to like 30 something. I think it was 33. And they had some 500 something yards of uh, rushing and only two pass attempts. I think that's like. David Shaw's ideal offense. Sorry, we're watching Miami claw back out of their way against Florida State, and it looks like they may have a chance to ice this game right now. But I'm I like David Shaw wants to run the ball based on our offensive line and Bryce loves I don't know, he hasn't really been able to break out this year. He hasn't um really be able to hit those 40, 50-yard so, so, so runs. From, from an outside perspective, what's been the difference between last year's Bryce Love and this year's Bryce Love? What have you, what have you noticed? From what I've seen, uh, it, it could originate, uh, the problems could be originating from the offensive line. I, I also like to pull for UCLA before I... Uh, that's <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, another question. Uh, Will Chip Kelly get fired before the end of the season? Because he's Chip on Kelly track to go 0 for 12. Yeah. Used to coach Oregon. He used did. to go Jordan. So, not used to go Stanford. But, did used to go but <laughs> since I did follow UCLA sports, I happened to see when Stanford just demolished UCLA. And the For running the past lanes, nine years. Yeah. And and most recently, <laughs> I, I want to address them. Most recently, uh, the running lanes he had in that game, he was not being touched until the second level. Right. And if he gets to the second level untouched, the, it don't, I don't just, care who you are in the country, yeah. you are not going to stop him. Yeah. Right. So I think he's probably getting more. Uh, they're get, he's getting hit more behind he's the line exactly. and at the line. And that's and that's a great and, point that you're bringing up. Is and that's that something the defensive that defensive lines to stop. Right. Have you, been able you, to. You got to give him three pressure. steps. Yeah. If you give him three steps to hit a hole. It's going to be very hard for anybody to get a beat on him. Yep. He's going to pick up speed. He's a very uh, fast guy, You know, very nice acceleration, got some moves. Um, but when he's going to get hit at the line of scrimmage, I think you're not going to see a lot of yards after contact for Bryce Love. It, it will happen, but that's not his style of running. Yeah. Right. And looking and he, at that... And it brings up a, a really good point in that if you look at the type of fronts we're playing against, last year we got a little bit more leeway. They would only put eight guys in the box. This year, teams are putting fucking nine guys in the box. You can't you can't run against nine guys in the box consistently. It's just literally impossible, which is what we're we're finding game in and game out. Right. Looking at Bryce Love's stats this past game against Notre Dame, we went 17 carries for 73 yards with a long of 39. Um, and one touchdown. Bryce Love can clearly break it open at any instant so long as he has the blocking. It seems like he's got good vision. He's got top-tier elite speed. It seems like the blocking just... We know our uh, OL coach was hired away, but we've got four out of five guys returning despite injuries to the O-line. What's going on uh, on that level, and can they turn around against Utah, Patrick? So what's going on on a fundamental level is Stanford runs a man-on-man blocking scheme, which essentially says that our guy versus your guy, our guy's going to win. And so when you do that, you bank on having very talented and physical offensive linemen, which we've had a plethora of 
since Jim Harbaugh was our coach. For the past decade, we've had very talented and very physically skilled offensive linemen. And this year is the first time in a couple of years we're seeing that kind of backfire. So our guys are losing these one-on-one -on -one matchups in crucial situations, especially against talented teams. So it's one thing to win these matchups against, I don't know, like a UC Davis or, or a, team, a team that's not gonna push you as hard as Notre Dame is. And so Notre Dame has elite athletes across the defense and we just weren't able to match up and block them one-on-one. -on -one. And so when you can't do that, our entire offense falls apart because our passing scheme, our, our protection scheme is based off of these one-on-one -on -one blocks. Our running scheme is based off of like one-on-one -on -one blocks. And when we can't do them, we're just getting destroyed in the backfield. We can't get any momentum going and we just get frustrated. So we saw that as a, as a prime example in this Notre Dame game, which sucks but which is something that we're gonna to have to adjust to because there are other ways to move the football. There are other blocking schemes we can use. There are other ways to help our players out and, and stop putting them in difficult situations which they might not win. Something I'd like to touch on is, I'd really like to see how many times Stanford utilizes Bryce Love not in some sort of eye formation right behind the quarterback. You know, when do they get him in the slot? When do they, they find different formations to put him in to get matchups that would be in Stanford's favor. Because mm -hmm. I feel like I don't see them doing that too much with Bryce Love. He's mainly, you know, just behind the quarterback in a typical stance for a running back. Right. Downhill, you know, running scheme. Why not create more opportunities in the slot or, you know, some sort of screen? He's dynamic. Let's, you know, get him the ball out in space. It's a, yeah. it's a great point. And if you look at what Christian McCaffrey's doing on Right, the Christian McCaffrey players. had that... Well, at Stanford, Christian McCaffrey would have that uh, maybe... Five to ten times a game, it seemed like he got uh, some other look besides just being the running back. Right. Uh, I think Notre Dame was the first time, really, when they lined up uh, Bryce Love at least a couple times. I think I counted three or four times where he was not the... Um, the not back. the running back, not the single back. Yeah, so yeah. they move him out wide, they move him into the slot, whatever. Um, and it's interesting to see that difference with... Uh, David Shaw, when we had two star backs in Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love, we'd have either one or the other line up in the slot. I believe Bryce Love's first play at Stanford was something like was a wheel route for was a wheel like route a seventy nine yard touchdown against Wake right. Forest. Yeah. Um. So it's it's frustrating to see the O line and the offensive play calling just not coming together and and just a really unfortunate loss against Notre Dame this past week. Let's move on and look ahead to Utah. Uh, Roger, what do you have to say about Utah football? Utah football? Um, well, what do you have to say about Utah? Is there, <laughs> is there, is there good <laughs> skiing in Utah? Let us know. <laughs> Honestly, I'm relying on my knowledge of my buddy Ryan who went to the U of U uh, and is now a professional skier. Actually, no, he just stopped being. Anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> That's not much to know about the football over there. there. Uh, <laughs> From what I understand, Utah is bad this season. <laughs> they are not great. They're not. So this, this is a dangerous trap. The their, their wins and loss record is perhaps not the most indicative of their true talent. They're, they're pretty gritty on both sides of the ball. They're a physical football team. They had a tough battle against the University of Washington earlier in the season. So I, I, this is my, by no means a bad team. and They've consistently recruited high talent. Um, their coach, who I'm forgetting his name, is the longest tenured coach in the Pac-12. 
So he's been there for, I think, close to 14 or 16 years. So he really knows what he's doing. He has is like a pretty good relationship with the community at this point. So it's, it, this isn't an easy team to play. This isn't a team that you look at on your schedule and you're like, that's a, that's a solid dub. It's a game you're going to have to go out there. You're going to have to battle for every single yard. This team is physical. This team is gritty. And they have some pretty talented players. Right. Speaking I want talented players. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, go for it. Little local talent from uh, the high school that uh, Patrick and I went to, Derek Vickers, with uh, University of Utah. Hopefully, we'll get to see him tonight and, and support uh, a local boy. Uh, he hasn't been getting too much playing time, but I'd really love to see him out there. I, I know he's dynamic. I mean, I've seen him in, on the high school field. I saw him on the JUCO field. I think he he's a very capable athlete. It's just a matter of time before he gets his shot. Yeah. So we might we might see Derek return some punts, play some wide receiver. Um, Again, we play with them in high school, so it's it's fun Good to see guys out there. Having, yeah. So, gentlemen, success. I'm interested in what you all believe about the hot hand fallacy or some version of that in football because Stanford football just tweeted that they're the winners of 11 straight home games and returning to the farm tonight against Utah. Does that bode well or bode, bode poorly for Stanford at the home stadium? It's a, uh, a great question, Ada. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Ada. I think... So personally, I think Stanford uh, takes this one. Looking at Utah, they're two and two so far with playing Stanford at Stanford, which is, uh, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, we're not the most like renowned road environment, but like we've got some people that'll yell. We're all planning to go to the game tonight. Yeah, you have um, to travel from Utah. You're a little bit out of your comfort zone. But you looking not at as many Mormons around. <laughs> <laughs> but looking on. at Utah, they've got. Solid win over Weber State, which I believe is an FCS team. They've got a 17-6 win over Northern Illinois. Their defense is really the one that have kept them in games. Um, but they've lost their last two against uh, number 10, Washington, 21-7. And Washington State, who's unranked 24-28. I think Stanford still has enough offensive talent to... Uh, pull away from Utah, especially in the second half when Shaw resigns that we are not a power running team, but we have to throw the ball to our excellent receivers who are probably going to the NFL next year. Um, I just think that, uh, I don't know, Stanford's going to win another at home. I think we're the third longest uh, home winning streak in the country, and I think it's going to stay that way tonight. So in your opinion, JJ can take it all the way home for us in the second mm-hmm. half. JJ is going to the NFL. JJ is a great JJ receiver. Is a yeah. uh, I think we're going to see upwards of 100 yards from him tonight. Tying uh, back to your original question, what I think about the hot hand fallacy. Yes, thank you. Um, I mean, as, as someone who loves statistics, you like the hot hand fallacy doesn't exist, right? It's a fallacy you, for a you, reason. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There, there's a reason they call it a fallacy. Like, you play any game, you have the same statistical probability of winning. It's just like, at a certain point, each individual game counts as like a 55% chance of winning or whatever. So I, so I, I, I don't think that that should be – I don't think that's a big advantage. I don't think it will, will be a big advantage. I don't think it should be considered a big advantage. But I do think that in this specific matchup, Stanford has the upper hand just because Utah's coming off a bit of a rough patch. They haven't been able to score a ton of points. I think Stanford defense is looking for a good opportunity to rebound. And I think that – our offense, after getting absolutely bullied by Notre Dame's front seven, is not going to take anything. Now, I want to address Stanford's offense because we keep coming back to that might being the, the key flaw here for their season thus far. 
And uh, I, I'm not 100% familiar with the, the coaching uh, staff at Stanford. Uh, who's the OC and how long has he been there? OC is Tavita Pritchard. He just got promoted this past year. Right, it's so his it's, first it's year. his first year. He's been a shog. He played quarterback at Stanford, actually. Uh, back in 2007, 2008, I want to say. Yeah, I think he orchestrated the USC upset. You think um, it might easy. bode well for Stanford to bring in a guy with a different offensive philosophy than what they're consistently um, so really doing it, or, or it's, used it's to? A, it's know, it's a good up. point. I'm just not sure Shaw's comfortable bringing in somebody who thinks really differently than he does. Yeah. So that's why he's been promoting internally. And I think to be right. like an intelligent and like reasonably yeah. talented OC, I don't think he's like a bad choice. I just love to have him, like to give him a bit more freedom to really let KJ loose because I think we have one of the more talented quarterbacks in the country and he can throw the ball quite well. I would agree. Um, so, but when we're putting ourselves in these holes running on first down consistently, it, it just puts us in this position where we're constantly playing third and longs, which is not an advantageous situation to put a younger quarterback in. I agree. With, and, and the reason I bring this point up is as uh, with the uh, University of Alabama, which I attended, uh, Saban <laughs> has tried to adopt different philosophies. He, he's, you know, went and grabbed Lane Kiffin because he wanted Lane Kiffin to bring right. new philosophies right. to his offense and bring some new life, some more. And he got Sark because he wanted an alcoholic yeah. to show that they <laughs> exactly. come back. I mean, I mean, there's I mean, all sorts of positives all, here. All, all positives. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're seeing an Alabama offense now under Loxley that it almost has spread like uh, tendencies. Tendencies, sure. yeah, they're, yeah. They're really throwing the ball around. Very much outside of Nick Saban's comfort zone, he right. does not like that. He's he's the guy where you know you say the forward pass uh, comes into college football, and he thinks, okay, well, there's two negatives there: an incompletion and an interception. Right. I can hand the ball off, and only one negative: a fumble. Yeah. So, but he's coming to grips with it, and I think that is what also has contributed to his continued success: is his ability to adapt. To adapt. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he does have his reluctancies, uh, obviously. But he's willing to bring in new philosophies and new uh, new coaches and continue to seek out new ways to improve his team so there's not you know some sort of stagnation and people catch up to That's a uh, really good point. And I, and, I, and I think one of the most frustrating things about watching Stanford football has been seeing Shaw occasionally incorporate some of this. So he, he's, he's a clearly an intelligent college football coach and he knows what's going on. But just like the lack of consistency, the lack of constant innovation versus every once in a while he'll sprinkle in some stuff. Or there's some seasons where you're like, oh, wow, he gets it now. He's mixing it up. He understands the talent of his players. And then the next season we're back to just like running it up the middle again. So it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating from that perspective. Right. I want to point out the main difference between uh, – well, not the main difference necessarily, but the most obvious difference between uh, Coach Saban and Coach Shaw is that Coach Saban is – ostensibly a defensive-minded coach. He hires these offensive coordinators that have innovated in different systems, that have done well in different systems, and sometimes uh, failed as head coaches and come back. But they're always offensive-minded. Um, Lane Kiffin, for instance, he look at, look at FAU last year. He came in. He's been the offensive coordinator uh, the as, as a head coach at FAU. He's really good at that... Uh, Misdirection. Hit, is, is misdirection, that, that pick up, hurry up, spread offense yeah. type thing while Saban focuses in on the defense. Uh, David Shaw is very much an offensive minded coach. Every offensive play comes through David Shaw. He has the final say on everything that Stanford runs. And just because he's so entrenched in his ways, he's so entrenched as like what he wants to do as a coach, what he wants the Stanford team to look like, when you don't have that offensive line development like they haven't had this year, it 
it hurts. kind of falls apart. Yeah. It definitely hurts. Yeah. Um, let's move on a little bit. What are we looking for from Stanford this game against Utah? Uh, let's go around the table. Patrick? I mean, again, I'll say it once. I'll say it a thousand times. I'm looking for a solid early start, a good first drive, really set the tempo. Um, I'm curious to see... A, if Bryce Love is out there, and B, how he's looking on his ankle, if he's able to make his cuts like he's been in the past, if he's able to run the ball effectively. And then I really want to see KJ get involved early. I want to see us push this Utah secondary. I want to see our guys go long. I want to see us make them cover JJ, make them cover Colby. We have so many talented receivers and tight ends. Let's make the Utah guys cover them. Let's put them in situations where they're not going to be entirely comfortable. And then we'll see how we go from there. And then defensively, two things I'm looking for. Consistent effort, chasing the ball down, and then our defensive line to step up a bit. We've had some pretty solid linebacker and secondary play so far this season, but our defensive line holding blocks, getting some pressure on that quarterback is going to be vital for a successful game. Absolutely. Uh, let's go around the table. Ada, what have you got for us? You know, I'm truly, deeply an Oregon fan. <laughs> I'm looking for Stanford to lose this game. Oh! oh. Because Take a lap. Finish your wine. <laughs> they're number one in the Pac-12 right now. I don't think they deserve to be number one in the oh. Pac-12. Oh, defend it. Back it up. Back it up. I just don't think that they have the heart and the soul that it takes wow. to be number one in the Pac-12. Based on what evidence? I just think that overall, they're not a cohesive team. I think that they rely very heavily on key players, such as in my undergrad career, Christian McCaffrey, and before my undergrad career, Andrew Luck. Before that, Toby Gerhardt. Exactly. And now they have Bryce Love, and I think that they just don't play as a team. When you look at other Bay Area teams, I mean, I'm looking at like... Are we looking at Cal? I'm looking at professional teams. I'm looking at professional teams like the The Golden State Warriors. I know that's a different sport, but they're successful because they play as a team, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. they have beat the Cavaliers over and over again because the Cavaliers rely on LeBron James. And they don't build their team around LeBron, they just rely on LeBron. Whereas it helps, it helps when you have a superstar like Katie sign, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So I mean, if Stanford were to get Tua on our team, that would, that would definitely help. But you need to build a example. team. You don't need to build key players. And so from that, I just I expect David Shaw I mean, to start that's developing. Tell that to Coach Calipari at Kentucky. I'm just saying, develop each of your players individually in a team as a whole rather than just relying on Bryce Love okay. and other key players. And Stanford could go far. But personally, I hope that they just continue with their strategy so that Oregon bubbles up the top by the end of December. <laughs> All right, Mayor, what do you got? Uh, I'm just looking to see you know a really good game to have a really good college uh, football game atmosphere. I personally love college football. I, I like it so much more than NFL. And you know, post grad life is 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 hitting you know, and I really do miss those games in Tuscaloosa. There's just nothing really like it. But I'm hoping that tonight <laughs> at Stanford, I get some of that feel back and and I enjoy it. I hope Stanford gets the win because you know my uh, my brother Patrick went there and I'm going to support my uh, my extended family went there I'm going to support it and I, I would love to see them get a W I'd love to see uh, KJ get to throw the ball around a bit you know I first heard of him uh, when he was at the Elite Eleven you know said he was a Stanford commit then and then followed through with that commitment and went to Stanford he did good at the Elite Eleven he was you know, showed his arm talent, and it was good stuff. So I'd like to see that on the college level, uh, firsthand in person. I'd like to see Stanford get Bryce Love involved in other ways. I mean, he's just so dynamic, and it it does kind of pain me that he's not having the season he's capable of, or the season he had last year. I remember talking with Ryan Crowley earlier. uh, It's my younger brother. Yeah, younger brother. uh, 
you know, we were talking about the Heisman race before the season started, and he goes, you know, Bryce Love has a great chance of coming up second because that's what happens to Stanford players. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Bryce Love's not even in the conversation, Ooh. so I would really like to see him have a good game and, and get back to his old ways. Yeah. Absolutely. Raj? Uh, I'm kind of looking for two things. Uh, one, like you're talking about Patrick, kind of mixing it up in the first down, just being a little more creative. Um, the second is just Stanford playing like Stanford. If they're if they're you know on their game, then then you know they they really should be able to, to pull out a, a win in this game. But absolutely. yeah, absolutely. If we see like they're playing against Davis. Uh, there might be a few more issues there. Um, yeah, so to wrap that up, I'm looking for the O-line to play a complete game. They kind of broke down in the fourth quarter last game. And the I just quarter, wanna... and the second, and the first. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I'm looking for, mostly from the O-line, to take a step forward, to play the entire game, to really uh, dominate the trenches like Stanford teams of old. Should. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we should. All right, so for our next segment, we're going to go around the Pac-12 before we move to the rest of college football. We're going to go through last week, and if any of you guys around the table feel like there's something uh, that stands out that you guys want to mention and talk about a little bit, just interrupt me a little bit. Um, Utah beat Washington State 28-24. Washington State drops to not great in the Pac-12, and Utah seems to kind of... Uh, keeping contention for the South, um, U- uh, University of Washington beat BYU, who had previously beaten Wisconsin, one of the presumably top teams in the country, uh, 35-7. to BYU doesn't look great. UW um, continues to redeem themselves after that early loss to Auburn. Um... Arizona State and the Herm, the fight in Herm Edwards is beat Oregon State 52 to 24. Uh, Herm Edwards continues to uh, seem to uh, game plan well and uh, have their offense a little bit dynamic, very much um, moving forward. In uh, the other ranked game of the Pac-12 last week, Oregon beat Cal 42-24. Hell yeah. As we say once game. and as we'll say no, it again, <laughs> Cal is not How a feel team that? worthy of being ranked in the top 25. They have shown nothing this season, nothing but absolute weakness. And Oregon, a decent football team that's respectable on both sides team. of the a ball, good football took team. them up and down the field for a Full 60 minutes of spanking, and I'd love to see it. A very interesting story we might have to do for another podcast uh, on a little altercation that happened at a a Cal game. (laughs) With some very sober Cal students who were always respectful. (laughs) They were were not peeing off a balcony onto people at all. No, no, they would would never do such a thing. They have have a higher standard. But anyways, the PhD students are good. They're probably undergrads. The the graduate students are respectable. We few bad apples, but... (laughs) Particularly one we have with us today. <laughs> he's, we, a, he's a sponsored skier, though. Cut him some slack. Well, oh, about uh, Glade plug. Oh, yeah, and we, have, we have an ad from Glade Optics. Oh, Roger's, Roger's wearing a Glade hat. If you're interested in any high quality and also affordable ski and snowboarding goggles, check out Glade. Not that they sponsor us or anything, but, <laughs> but hey, Glade, give us a listen. <laughs> 
Uh, moving right along, USC moves to, I believe, 2-1 in the Pac-12 with a win over Arizona, 24-20. Uh, USC continues to struggle with lesser teams, but it seems I like... I would call Arizona a lesser team than USC. I feel like they're on a similar level. All right, but in like the greater tradition of the Pac-12, USC is very much the... Uh, the the powerhouse prime brand. Not that they've been a powerhouse the past couple years, but they've been like the defining factor of the Pac-12. And Arizona has not, especially after finding their most recent coach. Um, they did come away with the win, but I don't know. It seems like USC is struggling continuously, and nothing gives me more pleasure than seeing that. Oh, absolutely. I, I just cannot. Stand at sea for some reason. It's just not. <laughs> it's not in me to cheer for them. You know, I I will continue to enjoy to see them spiral. I'm sorry to say it, but you know, it's just. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. There's nothing happier. Or I, I don't reach a happier point than I'm watching like a super depressed USC student who's banked their entire social and I don't know just like happiness on the USC football team and then watching that football team struggle. Absolutely. That's a truly magical feeling. <laughs> uh, looking at the rest of the Pac-12 this coming week, well this weekend really. Let's get let's get some guesses. Let's get some guesses. So we're not going to talk on Colorado versus ASU cuz they just finished their game. Uh, Colorado Colorado won. Colorado's Col good. Colorado is good. Colorado Col is the best team in the Pac-12 South by far. Right now. Yeah, I'm, I'd be tentative to agree with that because Colorado, Colorado's record is now, um, or the opponents of Colorado's record is now, I believe. Um, what is Colorado's record? So Colorado is undefeated. Colorado yes, is 5-0. Oh, but and their opponents before this week were, I believe, 16-1, and including New Hampshire, which is an FCS team. We're not they, including New Hampshire. It's absurd that Colorado had to play New Hampshire. New Hampshire is not anywhere close to Colorado. There are teams of a similar quality nearby. That's an absolute waste of flight and taxpayer dollars for the state of Colorado <laughs> and New Hampshire. I will let my case rest. But don't fucking do it. Go play like a crappy team nearby Colorado. Jesus. School of Mines. That being yeah, said. Yeah, there we right, go. Right, right. That being said. Yeah, uh, crappy school. Arizona State is the first uh, team with a winning record that Colorado has beaten. Um, it's only a touchdown. It seems like Herm Edwards can coach close games but not finish them. Uh, moving right along, Washington plays UCLA. Do we have predictions for this game? Washington by seven touchdowns. UCLA is garbage. Chip Kelly has lost the locker room. He has not figured anything out. He has no talent on either side of the ball. He has players who do not want to play for them. If Washington does not win this game in the first quarter, it will be an embarrassment for them. Not to say that we have a different take for this particular game, but Merrick, can we get a... Uh, defensive UCLA under Chip Kelly. No. <laughs> <laughs> As I said last week, Chip Kelly has a very real shot of going 0-12 in his first season as the UCLA head coach, and I think he will be fired after this season if he goes 0-12. I do not think he'll be fired. I think he'll remain when, even when, if he goes 0-12. I agree. you got to give a coach two quarters. Like if at and least when he goes 0-12, he should be fired, and he will be fired. Because the UCLA faithful have a higher standard than an 0-12 football team with some highly paid piece of crap coach who doesn't have it anymore. Get him out of there. All right, moving right along. We've got Wazoo versus Oregon State. Do we have predictions? Wazoo by two touchdowns. <laughs> Easy win for them. Oregon State... 
is embarrassing on both sides of the ball. They have nothing but a couple <laughs> true freshmen who might be good in a couple years, but right now can't play. Uh, anyone else want to have a take? On no, that? no, they should win. You know, I'm I'm not a Mike Leach fan at all. But you know what? His system works. Credit where credit's gonna, too. Credit where credit's yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's, their quarterback's good. He's going to throw the ball around. He's going to throw a few, you know, touchdowns this game for sure. And they'll probably win by at least, at least 10. Yeah. At least. All right. Uh, looking at probably one of the more closer games in the Pac-12 this week, Cal versus Arizona. This is, a, this is a solid win for Cal. Arizona just doesn't quite have it on either side of the ball to really make a full game out of it. They have a really talented player in Khalil Tate. Watching Cal play against their uh, uh, against Oregon, they actually have a little bit of talent, unfortunately, <laughs> as much as it pays me to say. But I think they have this one by a touchdown. Yeah. Agreed. I'll concur on that. Uh, does Cal get ranked after this game against Arizona no, after getting? No. no. <laughs> well, Cal, Cal's not a top twenty-five football team in the United States of America. <laughs> Maybe in Australia. All right, and we've talked about Utah versus Stanford. Can we get some score predictions for this game, Patrick? I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than our previous games. My guess is Stanford 31, Utah 17. All right, Mayor? I like 31. I, I think Stanford will reach the 30s. I'll, I'll either go 31 or 34. Um, and I think Utah is going to put up at least... I'm going to go 17, at least. I could see. I could also see twenty. I could see twenty-one. I could see twenty-four. But uh, I'm gonna go seventeen. All right, Raj. What do you got for us? Utah. I I think they're probably good for twenty-one points, but obviously we'll we'll see tonight. All right, fair enough. I'm of the opinion that the Stanford defense shuts down the uh, Utah offense. I don't think that either really get it going. I'm gonna say twenty-seven to seven uh, in favor of Stanford. I don't think this game is particularly close just because of. Uh, I don't know, Utah's ineptitude against better teams on the uh, offensive side of the ball. Let's look around the rest of the college football world this uh, Saturday. We already have a couple wins coming in. So we We've got some- a couple wins coming in. Uh, Miami beat Florida State 28-27. Uh, to 27. <laughs> Quick chat about Bama. Merrick, give us the pitch for why Bama is the best team in the NFL. Oh, I mean, I mean college football this season. Well, you know, uh, it's just hard to say that anyone's going to challenge them in the SEC. I think, I think the Bulldogs over there in, uh, in uh, Georgia will could give them a, a fair shot in the SEC championship game. But I just don't see anybody challenging them and. An interesting topic is the other day I heard uh, Joe Clatt on, uh, um, was it uh, Undisputed? It was, it was one of the talk shows, talking about that Tua could lose the Heisman because he will not have a defining moment. Because <laughs> right. he will not play into a fourth quarter maybe this entire season. And, and that is something to say. I mean, I love watching it. I, I, I love seeing this offense and what it's capable of. I'm a little uh, right, suspect of so, so, the me, defense. Let me, let me hop in here. So at, at this point in the season, Alabama has yet to be challenged even remotely. And we're, we're at the point where Nick Saban is trying to drum up storylines. He specifically told the media, why don't you write something bad about my team? Why don't you come in and attack us? So he's, he's begging for anything to motivate his guys because on the inside of the locker room, everybody's saying they're the best. At the outside of the locker room, they are the best. 
and nobody's saying otherwise. So how do you maintain that culture of excellence if you're a coach and literally you can't find anybody writing about you guys not being the best? Right, to take that and run with it, there is no rat poison this year. Like you mentioned it, they are the best recruits. They are the best team on the field right now. Um, not to hype them up any more than they need to be, but they just don't really have there, challengers there is, there is in no the SEC. Team I in think. Yeah, um, I think that just they aren't really being challenged until maybe the SEC championship game against Georgia, and then we'll see in the playoffs. But they just—they're just not facing comparable competition right now. No, and if you look back in previous years, I—I I actually do not like an undefeated Alabama team going into, you know, a playoff or a national championship game. It seems the years we've won, in, in my memory, if it serves correct, we've lost to Ole Miss. You, you, know, you, Ole Miss you dropped a, a game on the we, way. We, yeah. we dropped a game on the way, and it seemed to put some sort of fire under them because they believed they should have went undefeated. They believed they never should have taken that loss to Ole Miss or whoever it would have been in past right. years. And it just fires them up so much more. I mean, you look at this last year, we lost to Auburn and luckily still made it in. I, I, I can't say I necessarily even agreed with that decision on the committee's behalf, but you know what? I loved it because it got my team in and they went and, 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 they, and, and they won the championship. And they showed yeah. why it was still a decent decision for the and committee the, to the make. And the reason why you let them in is because they're the most talented football yeah. team in the country and then they showed it in a cultural But and one loss Alabama is, is just ridiculous. It, it's scary. I, I feel bad for the teams if they play a, a one-loss Alabama team where complacency does sit in no matter how hard Nick Saban tries to fight it. Right. Uh, it's just a human nature to get comfortable. And, with, and my, my question is how do you fight against this complacency on, in, on a team where they're not going to lose unless something really bad happens and a schedule that's not going to put them in any tough positions to really lose? Well, that's Saban. That's all he can do is, is be himself and practice and constantly harp on how much there still needs to be done to improve. You'll never see him happy, you know, ever, even after a blow. blow. He'll say good things, but he immediately comes back to what they still need to work on. So it's just the leadership. That's all he, it can be because no one outside of the team or in the media is going to say that they're really a problem yet. Right, absolutely. And... Uh... Looking at today's result, Alabama has beaten Arkansas uh, 65-31. Elsewhere in the SEC, uh, Florida has recently beaten LSU 27-19. People thought LSU... Which is, which is a huge upset for yeah. right. Florida. People... Is Florida back? Man, no. Is Florida back? No. Florida's is LSU back? LSU shows flashes, but they have just disappointing games. But they're not a bad team. They are a good team, and they are a strong team, and they can beat... Top ranked opponents, we've seen it. But well, why did they lose to Florida? I don't, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't answer that. They just have games where they just don't keep it together. Looking at who else who is back? Texas beat Oklahoma forty-eight forty-five. Texas is is back. Texas back? Texas is back. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Texas is a they five they and one. They're a five and one football team. They beat Oklahoma, one of the top seven football teams in the country. And I think Kyler Murray is probably one of the top three football players in the country. I don't think there are many guys out there. Who can beat somebody one on one quite like he can? He can actually throw a pretty nice ball as well. Uh, um, fair Texas enough. Um, other big games. Notre Dame plays Virginia Tech. Merrick, do you see a Notre Dame loss on their future schedule? They will lose. 
Notre Dame will not go undefeated, and if they do go undefeated, it's because they're not a part of any sort of a conference and they're independent, which I hate. And they should just man yeah, up. Fuck Notre Dame. Man yeah, the fuck Let's we'll just put that on the record. You know, <laughs> join a conference. Quit being little bitches. Yeah, find a way to join a conference. You know, and actually play. Not some fabricated schedule that you guys somehow put yeah. together. Every teams. game is a rivalry game. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. absolute <laughs> BS. I they, should, they should join a conference, play some teams consistently every single year. But they'll, to and answer then, your question, they'll then, settle to mediocrity. All right. Uh, we've got some takes for Notre Dame's, uh, Notre Dame's eventual losing. I think they'll win this one against Virginia Tech, this ranked matchup, but I think maybe they'll lose to Syracuse. Syracuse is a pretty solid team that's been. He's a big Syracuse fan. I don't know. He they've called, they've had some the close Syracuse games. upset over Clemson and was. Almost right. Almost, almost. It was a good take. All right, before we close, let's go around the table and have some hot takes. Texas, got, is, Texas is back. Texas is in the national championship game this year. There's going to be a fervor across the entire state. They're coming. These these guys are legit. Tough game against UT, or a, a tough game against Maryland to start of the season, but UT Austin's back and they're they're gunslinging again. All right, Raj, what you got? Uh, all right. Uh, I'm just gonna say, it. Cal to take the big get. No, no. no. Oh, 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 Keep. I'm not so much of a football fan. Keep it in in sports. Um, here's my hot take: Olympics should be every single year. They're awesome. We get to watch <laughs> tons of weird sports that no one like remembers, like tetherball or kayaking or whatever. And like, who wouldn't love well, to see that? Every year? That's an amazing. Exactly. Sport, yeah. Like shooting stuff on skis. Like I want to do that. <laughs> All right, Mayor. Oh, I, I'm. Uh... Not sure what my hot take is. It, it might be that Texas is not back. Ooh. You know, once they lose again, I will say they are back. Back to losing, that is. Um, <laughs> I like Roger's take on the Olympics every year, although I think that's a little much. Let's go two. Uh, I'll push it to every two years. That's um, what it is currently. And Good my system. one winter, one summer. Well, I'm yeah. saying for I'm saying like winter and summer every two years. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then my other hot take would be that IPAs are really not that great. People are just, oh. for some reason, falling in love with them. Oh, that no. They're, they're too bitter for my taste in most cases. I've had a couple that were pretty drinkable. Shout out to Sackyard. Although, you know, your prices could, you know, come down <laughs> maybe a little bit. <laughs> we're trying to fall on a budget here. Hey, we're hey, young hey, adults. They're flavorful. Fair enough, fair enough. Ada, got any hot takes for us? Well, I'd like to counter that last hot take, which is IPAs are incredible. <laughs> okay. And should be seen as such. You Number just fall one. into the hype. It's okay. No, it's fine. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. That's where IPAs were born and continue Actually, to thrive. Actually, no, they weren't. <laughs> no, no, they're, 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 they're from, from India. From India. To England. To all right, all right, Indian all right. Real That's literally, that's literally the name. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we can talk about beer the most, on another the most podcast. recent but... IPA born and thrived in the Pacific Northwest. I, it, just, it was not born. But that was a very false take. Let's, let's scratch that. The second, the two well, other well, they, takes well, they, that I well, have they are great in the is Pacific that Northwest. you may, contrary to popular belief, wear white after Labor Day. It's beautiful outside, and therefore you may wear white. Shout out to Alyssa for giving me that hot take. And the other one is that white wine is past you. Like, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, red we're wine. Doing red All wine. right, we are red over wine. white wine. <laughs> and the, Oregon is going to come back. All right, all right, all right. One loss. Okay, here we go. So we're over white wine at the longest card. My take is going to be, well, it was going to be that the winner of the Colorado versus Arizona State game was going to win the Pac-12 South. But we already knew Um, it was going to be Colorado. But now it's Colorado. So yeah, I've I've changed my week one take from Herm Edwards to now it's going to be Colorado. The 90s is back, y'all. Let's... 
wrap it up. Also, I Hops. The rains. We're gonna bless the rains in just a second. Also, Hops are God's fruit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> True facts. All right, All right let's wrap party, it up. Parting words, anybody? Raj? Go Stanford. Go Stanford. Go Stanford. Or a little roll tide, of course. A little roll tide, Ada. Go card. Go card. Go card. Have a good Saturday and let's go card. Here we go. Let's not lose to Utah. Woo! <laughs>